Again, we are so very thankful to be in the house of God. We appreciate the good singing, good piano playing. We've been blessed and so far this week, and it's been good to be in the house of God around God's people. We have enjoyed the good testimonies, uh, words of praise. Uh, we've been encouraged to see sinners seeking. Our desire is that they might be saved and uh, that they might know the Lord. We have enjoyed Brother Luke, and he has given his whole heart this week. Uh, he done such a good job last night. I mean, the Lord used him. And uh, I love him for following his heart and preaching what God's laid on him. And... Um, Tonight we want to try to do the same. I want to, uh, before I get started, I want to, uh, I was thinking today, and I do need your prayers tonight. Uh, I was thinking the other day, uh, some people's, different than me. Some people are blessed with a good memory. Uh, I'm not. But I was thinking uh, the other night it was trying to come to me about the Pharisee and the publican and it just would not come together. And so I wanted to read that text tonight just so I cleared up my errors that you uh, might hear what thus saith the word of God and not Casey Cole's interpretation of it. In the 18th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, it says, and he spake this parable unto a certain, unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised other. Two men went up into the temple to pray, and one a Pharisee, and the other a publican. And the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week, and I give tithes unto all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you that this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. And I want to uh, make clarification on that tonight, that uh, we're still... Anytime that we try to serve God, we've got to come to Him in the most humble way that we can. Uh, realizing that even though those of us that may be saved, uh, we're still saved by His grace. And we need His help each and every step of the way. Each and every day we need the Lord's help. And if we're going to serve Him, uh, we've got to come to Him realizing that we are just a sinner saved by His marvelous grace. So, tonight I've got just a, a few thoughts, and, and uh, I want to try to look at a couple of verses of text before I get to my main thought. Uh, I want to read a verse over here in Romans in the 10th chapter and the 11th verse. The 10th chapter of Romans in the 11th verse. It says, For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. And 
as I begin to think upon those things today, uh, so many times even within the culture that we live in, uh, no doubt we live in a fast-paced time. It seems like maybe we're always in a hurry. Uh, but even in a society that we live in, we talk about letting our light shine a lot of times. But when it, uh, as my saying goes, when the rubber meets the road, it's hard for us a lot of times as God's people to stand back and really exalt the Lord's name. Uh, to stand back and say, Lord, whatever way that you can use me, I want to be used by you for your honor and for your glory. I believe the Scripture tells us that uh, let the redeemed say so. And my friend tonight, I want to encourage you uh, that if God has saved you and He's given you a home in heaven, uh, we ought to be the happiest people in the world tonight uh, to know that you've been saved and been sanctified, uh, my friend, and, and we know that uh, by the message that Brother Luke preached last night that we're not going to spend an eternity in the flames of hell, uh, but yet we've got a home in heaven that's awaiting us. Uh, we ought to be the happiest people in the world. Uh, we ought to be shouting it from the rooftops tonight that a Savior lives, that He's alive. And it ought to be our earnest desire tonight to tell people about Him and what He's done for us and how He's changed your life. What He's done for you in your life. Uh, how He's, uh, the moment that you was lost and how He saved you. Uh, how He's brought you from death unto life. Uh, that ought to stir something up in God's people. Uh, I, I, maybe I'm different, I don't know, but I'm telling you, uh, I try each and every day to, to come to a point, that, and sometimes I fail Him in that, but I try to come to a point. Uh, Lord, thank You, God, for saving me. You didn't have to. Lord, thank You for showing me mercy and giving me a home in heaven and giving me love. Lord, thank You, God, for making a way for me. And tonight, I, wanna, I just want to encourage you tonight to seek out your place in this service. It's a Lord's service. Uh, listen, I love this brother. And I've got a ton of confidence in you, Brother Luke. But the old saying used to be when I was growing up, he didn't bring the keys to this revival in his pocket, did he? He don't hold them. I don't have them either. You know who's got them? The Lord does. He's got the keys to this meeting. And my friend, he wants to use each and every one of us tonight. Whatever way it may be. So we need to ask the Lord, Lord, use me whatever way that I can be used. God, use me. So I want to try to get into my lesson tonight with the Lord's help. And I've oftentimes said it don't take very much for uh, a lesson to be bigger than I am. But it certainly is tonight. And uh, I want to encourage you, as we've tried to say this week, this altar is always open. But I was thinking about over there in the Roman letter where he talked about in the 10th chapter in the 11th verse, they say, uh, to paraphrase that, those that believe upon the Lord should not be ashamed. And tonight I want to encourage you that if God has done something for you, don't sit back and be ashamed about what God's done for you. But believe what He's done for you. Have confidence in what He's done for you. 
and tell somebody about it. Tonight, if the Lord saved you, let somebody know. Tell somebody about what he's done for you in your life. I truly, in my heart, uh, believe that you can't even begin to enjoy what God's done for you until you trust in what he's given you and tell somebody about it. Tonight, I want to look over here in the 16th chapter of the book of Leviticus. I don't know how long we'll be, uh, but our thought tonight, and uh, I was thinking about this all today, today, the Lord kept bringing it back to us, by the hand of a fit man, by the hand of a fit man, and tonight we want to try to think about some of these things here in the 16th chapter of the book of Leviticus. As we sing that song tonight, there's no sweeter name to me than the name of Jesus. Tonight, we're still trying to proclaim to you and to the world. I don't know tonight your heart, but I'm thankful that the Word of God, that it's able to go out and that it's, we know that the Word will not return unto us void, return unto Him void. So tonight, we pray that the Word of God would go out. As we begin to think here about this 16th chapter of the Leviticus, we want to start here in our reading. It says in the first verse, And the Lord spake unto Moses after the death of his two sons of Aaron, when they offered before the Lord and died. And the Lord said unto Moses, Speak unto Aaron thy brother, that he come not at all in times into the holy place within the veil before the mercy seat which is upon the ark, that he die not, for I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. Thus shall Aaron come into the holy place with a young bullock for a sin offering and for a, for, and for a ram for a burnt offering. And he shall put on the holy linen coat and shall have the linen breeches upon his flesh and he shall be girded with a linen girdle and with a linen mirt shall he be attired. And these are the holy garments. Therefore shall he wash his flesh in water and put them on. And he shall take of the congregation of the children of Israel two kid goats from a sin offering for a sin offering and one ram goat for a burnt offering. And Aaron shall offer his bullock for, of the sin offering which is for himself and make an atonement for himself and for his house. And he shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats and one lot for the Lord, and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell, and offer him for a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make an atonement with him to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. I want to stop there for our reading just for a moment. And uh, we began to look here in the first verse, and we know uh, as we go back maybe in the 10th chapter of Leviticus, we can find where Aaron had two sons. And uh, uh, he had two sons that uh, basically says that they had offered up strange fire before the Lord. And tonight I began to think about those things, and uh, tonight we need to be careful uh, how we come before the presence of God. And uh, even those that may be sinners, uh, God has uh, made a way tonight that 
uh, the, we might become, uh, come before the presence of God, and we need to be careful about how we go about those manners. Uh, as we was reading there uh, in Roman letter uh, about those that believe in not being ashamed, uh, we need to have a, uh, a desire, an earnest desire in our heart uh, to serve the Lord. And my friend, I realize tonight that, uh, and I'm thankful for those of you that stuck out this week, but I'm telling you, I know that some of us is tired, and I know some of us is a little weary from this week, uh, but my friend tonight, God Almighty, uh, might send down the fire from heaven, and this thing take off like we ain't never ever seen. Uh, my friend, God has all the power tonight to be able to do that. If we'll come into this place believing, and knowing that we serve a living God, and my friend, knowing in our hearts that He wants to send a revival like we've never seen, nor have we ever experienced. I want to ask you something tonight. Are you satisfied? Are you satisfied with what you've got so far? Or do you want more? Uh, maybe it's a preacher's thing, or maybe it's a pastor's thing. Uh, but my friend, I desire to see more. Uh, though he sang that song last night, just one more soul. It'd be worth every mile. It'd be worth every trip. It's, uh, listen, it's my heart's desire that every lost person might be saved. Uh, if one was saved tonight, I'd come in here tomorrow wanting another to be saved. Uh, listen, it ain't, I love this brother. Uh, and it ain't a bit of jealousy in my heart if he preaches tomorrow night and a hundred gets saved. Honey, I'd still praise God. I just want lost people to be saved. I've heard preachers sit back years and say, well, listen, God saved on the night I was preaching. And listen, I don't care about all that foolishness. I just want people to get saved. That's what I want. I want them to see their self for what they are standing in a need. But we've got to come tonight believing and knowing that God can move. He can move in our church. He can move among our people. He wants to move those sinners. He wants to reveal to them that they've been saved. God wants to do that. Sometimes we get to going through the motions, don't we? Sometimes we sit back and say, well, I'm tired, Lord. And yet we need to keep pressing on towards the mark. So tonight, we need to be careful about how we, how we come before the Lord. But as we begin to see here how uh, this was on the Day of Atonement, and it was one time a year uh, that the uh, high priest might be, enter, uh, be able to enter into the Holy of Holies. And uh, we know then that uh, the Lord began to explain to them how He was to go about this manner. And uh, uh, there's so many types and pictures and shadows of the Lord Jesus in this that I'd be here all night trying to explain them to you. And I don't know if I get all of it or not, but boy, I, I tell you, it's a, it's a beautiful picture in the Lord Jesus. His high priest, the first thing that he was to do, normally he'd have a, 
A breastplate of righteousness that would be have about 12 stones on the front of it that he'd uh, wear. But in this particular ceremony, on this one day a year on the atonement, he was to, to take and do away with those things. And he was to put uh, those uh, uh, just uh, regular white garments on as he began to talk about. He was uh, basically to clothe himself in humility. He wasn't to stand out as anything else. And, and my friend, I began to think about the Lord Jesus and how He come out of the portals of glory and He come in the form of a servant and my friend showing humility that He showed. He laid aside all the glories of heaven to come down to be born into this world of sin to be walking among men. Can you imagine? Uh, Brother Steve talks about it. Can you imagine uh, being there with Him when He walked in this world? My friend, I can't imagine the Savior of all the world walking among men like me and you. See, tonight I know what I am. I know what I am. I'm no camp. We say it all the time. There's nothing good about me but what God's done for me. But my friend, I'll tell you tonight, if you've been saved by His grace, you've been washed in His blood, my friend, that's a true statement. His righteousness has been imputed onto you and to you. And my friend, there ain't nothing good about none of us. Except for the Lord Jesus. Yeah, we all might be pretty good people. But being pretty good people ain't going to get you to heaven. The only thing good about Casey Cole is what God's done for me. I was thinking about earlier today, I don't know why this thought came to my mind, but I was thinking about Christmas in July. I was thinking about, you know, a lot of times them movies and stuff will come out and they'll say it's Christmas in July. And I was thinking about that and I was thinking about oftentimes we only talk about the birth of our Lord and Savior around Christmas time. But I'm going to tell you tonight, that's a precious thing. Now the Bible says that He was born out of due time. And my friend, that He was born by a virgin. I'm telling you, my friend, it was a miraculous thing that took place by a virgin and by the way of the Holy Ghost. My friend, that he was born. The Bible says that he'd be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. That he dwelt among men. And he'd come into this world. If you'll remember, Herod pursued after him. Death was on his heels from the moment that he was born into this world. Uh, listen, Herod trying to uh, take all of those babies' lives. Brother uh, Luke was talking about how that uh, babies now being killed. Listen, babies have been being killed for a long time. It's an awful thing to think about. But they pursued after the Lord Jesus. Death was on His heels from the moment He came into this world. The Lord made a way for them. Told him, take him into Egypt. But everything was followed out just the way the Lord wanted it. He was circumcised on the eighth day. Everything.
dwelt among men. He left the portals of glory to come and dwell among men. Bible says then that he was to more or less get himself in shape and get his house in shape. The priest of the Levitical tribe, he was to take uh, that bullock and he was to sacrifice that bullock. And he was to take the blood as he entered into the Holy of Holies. And he was to sprinkle it upon the uh, mercy seat there as an atonement for his sin and for the priest. I want you to keep in mind as he's working all of this out. He's by himself and he's working and he's doing all of this labor. He's there by himself. And I began to think about our Lord and Savior. How that uh, he was alone. That how he was by himself. And I hope tonight as uh, Peter talks about there in the third chapter that uh, we might stir up your pure mind in a way of remembrance tonight that you might remember what the Lord has done for you. That you might be thankful for what God's done for you. Listen, I don't, I don't guess I could thank Him enough for what He's done for me. He was all alone. I believe it's there in, the Matthew, in Matthew's gospel. I believe maybe there. Oh, uh, well, I believe it's there in the 26th chapter of Matthew, maybe about the 56th verse. It says that his disciples uh, forsook him and fled. Uh, he was all alone. If you'll remember, as he made his way in there to the Garden of Gethsemane, and uh, we can read about through all the different gospel accounts how he come into that garden there of Gethsemane, and he took the disciples with him, but he took three more with him as he went a little further in. He took Peter, James, and John, the sons of Zebedee, and he made his way there into the garden. And he said, you bide here, I go a little further. The Bible says maybe he's about a stone's throw away from them. And he began to kneel down and pray and and, uh, well, let's just go over and read that. I ain't no hurry tonight. It says, Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray, go yonder, go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and his two sons Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. And saith unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face. and prayed, saying, Oh, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto his disciples, and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may enter in, not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went again, and to the second time and prayed, saying, O oh, Father, 
If this cup may pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were very heavy. And he left them away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples and saith unto him, Sleep on now, take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise and let us be going. Behold, he is at the hand that doeth betray me. And my friend, as he made his way there in the garden, it says that he was began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Now I want you tonight to understand that as he began to take this cup of wrath, my friend, and he began to think about the things that was fixing to come, my friend, his heart was very heavy. He was sorrowful because he knew what lay ahead of him. And as he was in that garden, and if you go over to Luke's account, it talks about how that he was there. And he began to pray. And as he prayed, his sweat began to drop his great drops of blood. I'm telling you, there was pressure on him. He began to feel the weight of the world on him at that moment. He was all alone, just him and the Father. He said, Lord, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. But Lord, if it's thine will, okay. I'm telling you, there was pressure. Think about everything in your life that you've done. Every little sin all the way to the big sin from every human that's ever been born all the way to the last human. My friend, you talk about pressure. I have a hard enough time with my own sin, let alone somebody else's sin. And he had the sin of the world on him. Pressure. And sometimes I get to thinking and looking back and thinking I've got pressure in my life. Boy, we ain't never experienced pressure, have we? As that high priest was doing his priestly duties, he was all alone. Our Lord, He was alone. He looked there at Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and he said, Could you not tarry with me for an hour? Could you not, could you not just linger with me for one hour? He goes back to him again and they're asleep again. I feel like a lot of times the scripture tells us we're to wake up out of our sleep and our slumber. If we ain't careful, I was just talking to a gentleman earlier, he was talking about, boy, the Lord will return at any time. He sure could. 
I don't know when he's going to return, but I'll tell you this, I know the Bible tells me that he's going to. And my friend, I believe the truth of God's Word. And I believe he's going to, and I don't know when that'll be. But my friend, well, a lot of times if we're not careful, we're going through the motions of this life and we sleep and we slumber. And my friend, if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves asleep. I need to wake up. I'm talking about me tonight. Maybe ask yourself this week, have you had the burden that you need? If you hadn't, it's not too late to get one. As he made his way there into the Holy of Holies, he, uh, you'll find here that he had two goats. One was to be an offering for sin, and the other was to be an escape goat. And as we begin to think about those things, and uh, both of these uh, goats, uh, in my opinion, represented, uh, they were, though they were two separate goats, they were identical to one another. They looked just alike one another. Uh, they were both without spot or a blemish. Uh, they were just exactly the same. And I began to think about these two goats and, and what their representation was. Now, the one goat was to be offered, as we said, for a sin offering. But the other goat was to be offered as a scapegoat. And I began to think about this scapegoat. And, and my friend, uh, to put it in layman terms about what a scapegoat is, is Somebody that uh, typically uh, is innocent and the blame has been laid to their charge. Uh, that's what a scapegoat is. Uh, it's somebody that's without blame. Uh, but my friend, uh, uh, they've been charged with your account. That's what an scapegoat is. And I want you to know that after they had taken uh, uh, this lamb, uh, this goat, and offered it for a sin offering as he made his way back there into the Holy of Holies and he began to sprinkle it seven times there upon the ark. Uh, my friend, he made his way back out. And the Bible says uh, uh, that he come down. And I won't take up reading here so that I don't make, mess this up. And it says that in the 17th verse, And there shall no man in the tabernacle of the congregation when he goeth to make the atonement in the holy place until he come out and have made an atonement for himself or for his household and for all the congregation of Israel. And he shall go out into the altar that is before the Lord and make an atonement for it, and shall take the blood of the bullock and the blood of the goat and put it upon the horns of the altar round about. And he shall sprinkle the blood upon it with his finger seven times and cleanse it and hallow it from the uncleanness of the children of Israel. And when he hath made an end of reconciling the holy place and the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head all the iniquities of the children of Israel. And all their transgressions and their sins. Putting them upon the head of the goat. And shall send him away by the hand of a mighty fit by, by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. And the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities in the land not inhabited, and he shall let 
go, the goat, into the wilderness. I want to stop there for just a moment. And as Aaron would come up and he'd have this goat, I don't know, I began to think about this today, and he'd have this goat there, and he'd, this goat, he'd uh, have him there before those that uh, could see him there, the congregation of Israel, and he'd have him there, and he'd place his hands upon that goat, and I don't know, I began to think about maybe that goat staring out into their eyes, and, and they staring back into that goat's eyes as he laid his hands upon their head there. And as he began to pray, and, and he began to uh, take their iniquities, which it was in a symbolic way, and he took their iniquities, and he placed them upon the head of that goat. And he uh, found a fit man that might take that goat uh, out into the wilderness. And uh, I, I began to study on that just a little bit, and I won't claim I know very much about it, but the way I understand it is they take this goat, and, and maybe uh, by the way I understand of Jewish history, They'd take this goat and they'd tie a red, a, red, a red cord maybe around his neck or around his horns uh, and they'd take that goat out. And, and the way I understand it was is if that goat, if God had accepted uh, this atonement, if He had accepted uh, here what was done, that that cord would turn to white uh, when that fit man was to come back in. And they'd have uh, towers that would be built uh, on the way that he might take that goat out into the wilderness. And uh, uh, they wanted to know that God had accepted this. They wanted to know. And so as he took this goat out, and, and listen, this is just some of the Jewish history I've heard from Josephus, uh, read about it. But anyway, they'd have these towers. And as this bit man would be coming back, uh, they would begin to holler out tower to tower. Uh, he's on his way back and there's no goat with him. And my friend, uh, this bit man is a representation of the Lord Jesus. Uh, when it talks about fit, it means ready. And my friend, Jesus Christ was always ready, uh, my friend, to give His life for the world that through Him they might be saved. He was a fit man. He was ready. Ready. He said, Lord, if it's your will, take this cup from me. But he said, Lord, if not, I'll drink it. The Bible tells me that there's none other name given under heaven whereby a man must be saved. There's no other way. This fit man, you know, I was reading on that and about that cord. Now listen, I, I can't find nowhere in the Scripture that talks about it, but boy, it sounded pretty good to me. But it talked about after Jesus had died and after how that He had rose from the dead. And I don't want to get too much into that because that's kind of the ending of this thing. But it talked about how He had, after He had rose from the dead, they were still practicing these things and how at that time that, that the cord no longer was turning white. And they began to wonder why the cord wasn't turning white no more. It was because the scapegoat had already came. The ready man. I believe it's over in the Hebrew letter. Tells us. I'm probably making a mess. Hebrews 9 and 22 says, 
And almost all things by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood is no remission. Meaning no forgiveness. Without the shedding of blood. The scapegoat. Is our Lord. Isaiah 53 says, Who hath believed our report? And whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For who shall grow up him a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground, he hath no form, no comeliness? And when, he, when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief, and we, and we hid as it were our faces from him, he was despised, and we are esteemed not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet did we esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we alike sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one his own way. And the Lord hath laid upon the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet opened not his mouth. He brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep, her shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from uh, prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. He has made his grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither any deceit in his, in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. And when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, and shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many for he shall bear their iniquities. And uh, I want to stop there for just a moment. Uh, my friend Isaiah was declaring about the Lord Jesus. And he talked about how that, uh, that uh, uh, there was no beauty that we should desire him. And, and my friend tonight, I, I want you to know that uh, I don't know what he looks like, but I tell you now that he saved my soul, I desire him. I, 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 want, I, I can't wait, I desire the moment each and every time that I get to a place to where I can pray and, and that I can feel His Spirit. I desire Him in my life. I, I need His presence around me each and every day. I need it. I realized tonight, they said maybe that you shouldn't. He said that He was despised and rejected of me and a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. He said, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. And he said, the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all. My friend, the Lord Jesus when He saves our soul, He takes every bit of that sin, every bit of that iniquity, everything 
He takes it all. And the Bible says over in the 100, 103rd division of Psalms, it says that he cast it from as far as from the east is to the west. It's gone. It's never to be remembered again. The Lord Jesus paid the price. When you think about an escape goat, and you think about how that somebody that was innocent and my blame was laid to his charge. That he was bruised for my sin. With his stripes, we're healed. Lord Jesus was betrayed, was thinking about Judas, done a study over the apostles here over the winter, and I was thinking about him and how he betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. The price of a common slave. Our Lord and Savior was treated like trash. The Bible says that He's the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. Our true and living God, He was treated like trash. He was spit on. He was beat. Mocked. Laughed at. They took him in his humility. He was naked. Can you imagine that? I want you to think about it. It's good for us to remember sometimes. What he done? Those nails, when he took and laid down on the cross there at Calvary, the nails didn't hold him. It was his love for mankind that held him there. Willing that each and every person might be saved. Knowing that I couldn't pay the price, but that He could. Knowing that with just one drop of His blood would be sufficient for me if I'd just come to Him with a repentive heart and believe and trust in Him completely. Y'all might think differently than me. But the night that I was saved, that was my night. I may be a nobody to everybody else, but I'm a somebody to Him. He gave His life for everybody. 
You know how it proved, my friend, that sin could be done away with by His sacrifice. As they took Him and laid Him there in the tomb, they sealed the door on Him, saying, listen, uh, we want to make sure that they don't come. And they, I believe they tied ropes down there. They set guards. They done everything they could to make sure that the door was sealed. Listen to me. That door, that tomb, it wouldn't, it wouldn't place there to keep them in. It was placed there to keep them out. Wasn't nothing going to keep him in. Death couldn't hold him. My friend, as he hung there on that cross at Calvary and those three hours of darkness come upon the scene a world of darkness you remember what he said my God my God thou wise thou forsaken me God couldn't look upon him for the sin had to turn his face from his own dear son couldn't look upon him that's mine and your sin he couldn't look on it and then what did he declare? He said, it's finished. It's done. I've completed it, Father. I've finished it. My work here is done. And the Bible said he gave up the ghost. Now, I've said this before. If you go on and read there in Hebrews, uh, some people there, I believe it's in Luke's account, it talks about, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. In those three days, I believe he was with the Father. I believe he was presenting his blood to the Father. He come back on that third day. He come up out of that tomb. Victorious. Over sin. Victorious over death victorious over Satan you remember what John seen as he walked in he seen the grave clothes laying there and he seen the napkin folded neatly laying there I don't know I've read Jewish historians that say well that was an indication that when they would go to meal that that was implied that they were coming back church he's coming back lost friend he's coming back he wasn't like Aaron and the other priest he wasn't from the Levitical tribe but he was from the tribe of Judah Brother Luke said the other night that John declared that he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He said, Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. He come as innocent and as gentle as a little lamb. I mean, excuse me, as a little lamb. But my friend, he comes back. You best be ready.
because he's coming back as fierce as a lion. I want to read that and I'll be done. Sixth chapter of Revelation. Then I beheld when they had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. The stars of heaven fell upon the earth, even as fig tree cast their untimely figs when she is shaken of mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every freeman, hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains, and said unto the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. And the great day of his wrath has come, who shall be able to stand? My friend, there's coming a day. You've got every opportunity, lost friend, to seek the Lord. You've got an opportunity to know tonight where you stand. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, paid the price. He gave His life. He took my sin. He took your sin. He took the sin of the world on Him. And my friend, tonight, He's bidding you to come. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to know about what God has done for you. Tonight, those of us that believe, let us not be ashamed. Tonight, if you know the Lord, don't sit back and deny God. Those of you tonight that may be lost, listen, seek the Lord. Seek Him until He finds you. I'm done tonight, Brother Mike, if you'll get us a song. That is a beautiful picture over there in that chapter. Maybe one of these days we'll get it out. But tonight, Jesus took upon Him all of our sins. My friend, I'm thankful tonight that He was able to wash it all away. He can do the same for you. I don't know tonight if you'll be able to stand. He said they'd hide their face from the wrath of the Lamb. Tonight, don't be like one of those that ran to hide themselves in caves and cry out for the rocks to fall on them. I don't know when He's coming back. It may be tomorrow. I don't know. But I'll tell you this. If He does come back, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I got that fixed up a long time ago. I'm not scared. I'm ready to meet Him. I'm ready to go when He calls my name. I'm ready to see. Are you ready? Are you ready? If you're not, be ready tonight. Go ahead, brother.